welcome in everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, episode 101. And honestly, I'm not sure why you all are still listening. Uh, we peaked at episode 100, and it's all downhill from yep. here. Our wives truly are the game changers, which everybody now knows. They assumed, but now they can officially know, and it kind of just it puts a damper on our success for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we are the lesser halves um, and proud of it. Um, we outkicked our coverage. We are batting above average, uh, whatever analogy you want to have, uh, you can, you can make them all. We are, uh, lucky to have them a little, and, and a little it was great to have them on the podcast. Peek behind the, uh, curtain though is, uh, so we recorded our episode on a Thursday night, which was later than normal. And our, my wife for sure goes to bed early. And so, uh, I had my kids, we got everything set to go. And like, because Kyle and I have such our system down when we set up our podcast here, we have less equipment. We've been doing this for 101 episodes now. We kind of have our system. Yeah, the routine is smooth. Yeah, but when we added the ladies and we went to a different room and a different setup and with different equipment, we looked like absolute amateurs. We really did. You know, and like it was not our greatest <laughs> foot forward, but uh, you know what? Regardless, we got it. There done were there were some kinks, uh, that's for sure. Um, there were some audio mishaps, uh, and we are actually we are recording this episode before we are positive that our sound engineer Nathan, great friend of the show, uh, can actually you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat with the audio that we gave him for episode 100. So uh, we're hoping that that it's okay. Uh, there's a possibility that Derek and his wife are gonna are gonna sound just a hair uh, Empty. abnormal. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, we'll roll with it. So uh, we were we really big thank you to to Meg and Michaela for for coming on the show. Both of them. Um. That is not their personality. They both came kicking and screaming. But uh, we're we're really thankful. So it was a great episode. It was a lot of fun. But uh, on to episode 101. Come on. So before we dive in, um, we have the uh, sponsor for today's show is Kleenex. Actually, this isn't even Kleenex. This is Kirkland Signature Facial Tissues because as most people do not understand, Kleenex is actually not the name of the product. Uh, it is just the name of the brand, and everybody assumes that facial tissues are just Imagine called Kleenexes. Being so good and so elite in your field that the entire industry is named off of your brand. Like, what if what if we called phones apples? It's it's honestly uh, impressive. Yeah, and, and are, are there any other products that we can think of that? Uh, maybe fall into that category. The only thing that comes to my mind quickly is like, and it's it's not relevant around here in Minnesota, but depending where you're listening from, it might be like Coke. Yep, that's the one that came to my mind. Okay, as well. yeah. So like, like I I'll take a Coke. Okay, what flavor? Like, excuse me. Like, yeah, I want you know a Sprite or whatever it is. But Coke is like apparently the catch-all. We call it pop mm -hmm. here in Minnesota. Uh, some of you might call it soda, whatever you want to call it. But that's the only one that comes to my mind immediately. But inevitably, I think our research team could probably pull out a few more. 
Yeah, so according to the internet, uh, there is a um I don't I don't even know what part of speech this is. Hey, there's a word. Uh synod cynic dookie. Wow. Gee, what are the odds I'm pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> Very slim. Cynic do cynic cynic dochi? Cynic doki? S-Y-N-E-C-D-O-C-H-E. I, uh, However you pronounce this word, it is a figure of speech in which a specific part of something is used to refer to the whole thing. Uh, so it, it's it's basically like this is the example of... Uh, of what we're what we're talking about, yeah. uh, according to the internet, and so Kleenex would be an example. Um, another example that's coming to my mind would be Google. Uh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that. Oh, well, you could sure. look that up on the internet without yep. using the website Google. Yep. But everybody knows if you're gonna Google something, it means you're gonna look it up on the internet. Yeah. Might not actually be on Google's website. Could be well Yahoo done. or. Uh, Remember when Bing was a thing? Bing, yes. There was a there was one called Dogpile. Did you ever hear that one? <laughs> no. The the concept of Dogpile was essentially, if I remember correctly, like they would search all of the other search engines to give you the most accurate result of your sure. search. It was something like that. You know, I just I feel like when I think of Dogpile, I think of pile of dog doo doo. So that's sure. <laughs> Yep. As a dog owner yourself, yeah, that, that, it doesn't surprise me that that's what comes to mind. Not what they're going for, but probably I not. No, I think it's more. I I think they're. Uh, you know what? I wonder if it's still dogpile.com. Let's see what happens. Uh, sure. Yeah, you can you can search. Oh, and and instead when you hit enter, it's go fetch. Oh, that's okay, pretty good. I remember that. That's yeah, pretty good. I remember that. I like that. Um. But anyways, so we appreciate uh, Kirkland and, and all of the amazing products that they make yeah. uh, very cheaply for us. I'm excited. I'm anyways, excited. Uh, quick question of the episode. Derek, uh, what excites you the most about the next 100 episodes? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Do you think we will make it to 200 episodes? <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way to go. Like we we've been at this for what, like two and a half years now. It feels yeah, two and a half years. Uh, it feels like the first hundred episodes have gone by faster than the next hundred episodes will. I, I even though mathematically that. that's not how that works. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's how it feels. Yeah. Uh, that said, like I'm excited for sure. I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to be fully transparent. We have way more listenership than I thought we would. <laughs> like, I totally anticipated this would be like our moms and our wives and our staff. We have tens of watches. listeners. Yeah, right. But I, it actually like, it, it's making its round. So I just, I'm excited to see um, and hear kind of like what, what wisdom we do have and can pass on what, what God does and, and uh, just how that impacts people. And I'm excited to, to hear. Yeah, I shared a little bit uh, on the last episode, on episode 100, of just some different statistics and things, but I wanted to share our top 10 uh, listened oh, to episodes of all time. Yes. Thought that episode 101 could be an appropriate place to do that. Totally. Um, so it shouldn't surprise anybody that the first five episodes we produced 
are in the top five or the, are in the top 10 of most listened to episodes. Cause if somebody discovers our podcast there, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Obviously that's where they're going to start. Uh, and so the fact that episode six is not in the top 10 probably means that we lose everybody after five episodes. <laughs> that's what I'm uh, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually, it's almost comical uh, because episode one, what they didn't teach us in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our most listened to episode. That's number one. Uh, it is only the winner by one listen right now. Oh boy. Because uh, the next one on the list is episode 23, which was how not to be a worship leader. Uh, we had good friends of the show, Nate and Sarah Engler, who are uh, the worship leaders on staff at the church that I go to. Uh, they came on staff and, uh, or they came on the show and, and we're talking about uh, worship and, and some different mm-hmm. things. That was a great episode. Uh, the third most listened to episode uh, with half as many listens as those two wow. uh, is our second episode on, that we did on social media. Uh, and then, you know, episode three, uh, the comparison trap. Episode four was personal and professional development. Episode five, the art of saying no. Those are all down in the lower in the top 10. Those are, those are great episodes. Uh, but episode 10 that we did was on love, sex, and relationships. Yep. That's in the top 10. Episode 22, LGBTQ and youth ministry. And yep. episode 33, our rant against purity culture. Uh-huh. Do you see a theme forming <laughs> in the fact that those three episodes are all in the top 10? So I think we're becoming a relational podcast. Yeah, I think on. we are just uh, relationship advice yeah. experts. Totally. Is, is maybe the uh, <laughs> offshoot that this podcast I'm glad that to you took away from, from all of that yeah. was that we are experts in relationship. Well, I mean, clearly, if if people are like, hey, how do I get a spouse as good as the wives that yeah. Derek and Kyle have, right. uh, you know, we've got some expertise there. Another important distinction is, uh, as we are recording this, we have not yet released episode 100. So that very well could make its way up the charts. And that is true. A lot of people, uh, curious to see what fools would marry us. <laughs> uh, but then the, the last episode on the list here is uh, fourth all time in listens, uh, was episode 79 when we talked about how to start a Bible study, nice. uh, which honestly was one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. It was uh, really, really cool to be able to do. Uh, and just that, I think one of the reasons that that one's in the top 10 is because that was our last episode of season two. And so then for that whole summer of 2023, that was the most, or that was the top episode yep. uh, that would that would be listed on somewhere like Spotify or Apple Podcasts for uh you know when people are listening to the show that's the the top one so it doesn't surprise me that that one is on there I love it I love it dude that's exciting that's kind of a crazy I I'm kind of surprised by the stats in a way, uh, but like uh, encouraged in, in the mm-hmm. same way too. Do you, uh, you? I know you mentioned it back upon our our episode 100, but what's our total listens as of this this point? Um, good question. Uh, All time downloads is this, this is the problem. So here's my problem with podcasting, and and we've got to figure out a way to do this better. Because we can't get listener numbers. We just get download numbers. Sure. Which, depending on the platform, is a very different statistic. Uh, that being said, uh, we currently have all-time downloads of over 10,000. So nice. that's uh, that's pretty fun. Considering that 5,000 of that is you know, just spamming our own podcast, I'd say that's pretty good. Have you seen 
uh, like pictures of uh, like social media farms is kind of what they call them. No. And it's like little tripods with phones on them and, and like hundreds of them all just like looping the same video to get the views of that video up. It is crazy and not, and surprising, at the same not time. surprising, highly unethical. Uh, <laughs> come about your downloads honestly, people. Come on. Derek come and on. I have put in a lot of hard work, sweat and tears. Uh, we, we poured our lives into this podcast. Yeah. I can't keep saying this with a straight face. We, well done. You know, it's... Should we, get, should we get to the good stuff now? The stuff you yes, came here for? absolutely. 12 minutes in, let's talk about the Bible. Uh, today's episode, uh, we were actually uh, going to rewind for a second back yep. to uh, an Christmas. episode that we did. I'm going to look up exactly which episode this was, because I believe it was back in season two. It was, and I'll, I'll kind of give the teaser as you look up the exact exact uh, number. We did an episode that kind of like, I don't want to say debunked, but just kind of like um, reestablished the truth of the Christmas story. You know, I think a lot of times over, over time, culture kind of evolves old stories in the sense of like, you know, you hear... You or you have a little nativity set in your in your yard or in your your kitchen table. I guess you could say with little nativity. Yeah, it sets. could be. Yeah, precious moment. That's what I was looking for. But they have the 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 shepherds there, uh, all that, all this different thing. But you have the magi there as well, and we know from scripture that the magi probably didn't come until. Jesus was a toddler. Like, there's no way they were there when he was born with yeah, the my, shepherds. My theory is somewhere between six months and eighteen months old. Yeah, and and the whole there's no room room in the end thing was kind of like evolved and and misshaped. And so, in that episode, not that we proved the Christmas story wrong, because that's not at all what we did. We just more so kind of recentered on the exact details of the story and how actually when you look at the legitimate details of the story, it's much more telling of the practical application for the moment and for our lives and kind of just recentered our audience on on the facts. Yeah, that was uh, episode 57. Uh, if you want to go back and take a look at it, that was, uh, that was a fun one. Uh, one of our more well-researched episodes, if I yeah. do say so myself. Uh, but... We, at some point along the line, we made a comment that the story of David and Goliath is, you know, maybe not what it seems, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, along the same lines of, you know, what we talked about with the Christmas story. It's not that the story itself is wrong, incorrect, right, uh, or fraudulent, but that some of the details get misrepresented by culture over time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we've had some people uh, kind of reaching out, like, "Hey, that that whole David and Goliath thing you were talking about, what's up with that?" Yeah. So we're here to write the ship, yeah. and say that uh, David and Goliath is a fraud of a story, and uh, <laughs> and uh, no, we're here to we're here to set the record straight. Yeah, and I think it's important here to understand where we're coming from with this too. Um, you know. Kyle and I both had the luxury of going to Israel separately. We were not, we didn't go the same year, but we went to Israel separately and they kind of took us, uh, you went there, right? You went to the Valley. Yep. Okay. And as did I, so our, our, our tour guides who are 
experts in their field. Uh, we, we've mentioned a few of their names in, in the past. Uh, biblical expeditions. Uh, if you're looking to go to Israel, that's the only place to go. So yeah. good friends of the show. Yeah. And, and just the, the professors and, and the, the PhDs that went along with us truly have studied not just manuscripts, not just uh, documents, but they, they've walked the land. They, they, they've talked to local people. They have, they've really done a lot of this research. So when we relay some of the findings they really re, you know passed on to us, um, not that I took it as law, but I very much was – supporting the structural identity uh, and, and integrity of what they said. And so um, we're kind of excited to, to unveil this because the David and Goliath story, much like the Christmas story, is a popular one, even if you're not familiar with Scripture. I mean, especially as the sports fanatics we are, we've heard this, it's David versus Goliath here, uh, the Minnesota Vikings versus whoever else. Literally anybody else. Yeah, and we are the, we are the David in the story. But... You know, you've heard this. It's it is the like metaphorical underdog story where it's like the opposition is so so adamant and the 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 good guy is so tiny and so undermatched, but we're cheering for him anyway. It's a very very common story, uh, but I think it's it's kind of vital to kind of paint the picture of what we've heard preached, right? Like, I think it's important to what, what have you heard? What have I heard? And so let's, let's kind of compare notes here, Kyle, but here's how I have kind of had this, this story laid out to me. You have David who is all of five foot five, random dude, really no, just, he is the stereotypical little brother. Like he just is kind of just moping around, not doing a whole lot. Uh, and he's kind of mind his own business while this war is going on. This war is going on and you have the two sides that are on opposite sides of a valley. And on the one side, you have the Israelites who are sending their cowering because they're petrified because on the other side, you have Goliath, mm-hmm. who's this 10 foot giant who uh, is incredibly gifted, an incredible warrior, and there's this standoff going on. All of a sudden, David rolls up. He's like, that's not cool. He goes over, he fights him. And I don't know why, but I always pictured David with this little kind of like, you, did you ever wrist rocket when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay. So like I, I did as well. And granted, you could like really cause some damage to the wrist rocket. But I I, I pictured this, this, this little puny kid like just high pitched voice walking over with his little pocket full of like little pebbles that you see in a decoration on your mom's kitchen table. Or, you know, you go to the stream and just pick up some pebbles, throw them in your pocket. And here he is. And just miraculously with his little wrist rocket hits Goliath in the head, game over, slays him all is said and done. Uh, and that's kind of how I've had it heard it preached, and it's it's kind of how I envisioned it as I've 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 heard it preached to me as I've read it before. Are there any details I've missed that that you have heard in your uh, experience of hearing the story? No, that sounds about right. I think that uh, you know the basis of how it is typically presented is simply you have this massive warrior guy that nobody can possibly defeat and then tiny little david comes in with his with his stone and you know grabs one and slings it and 
tiny little David is so victorious. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. God did a miracle when he guided the he guided the stone in the air to hit Goliath and miraculously. I you know what? I the other thing is that I have always pictured the story as like David killed like like the stone is what caused like like the stone is the what killed Goliath. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the stone hit Goliath and at that moment he was dead. Yeah. Uh is is the other thing that I will throw in here as something that I have always heard. Uh and we will talk about whether or not that is accurate. Yeah. And here's here's I want to kind of lay the foundation here because full disclosure, when I heard them kind of talk us through this story there was a part of me that made it feel a little less powerful in the sense of like i'm kind of spoiling here a little bit but there there's some very instrumental details that make this much more of a whoa like this was not so much a David versus Goliath. This was actually a relatively even fight relative to what's going on. And there was a part of me that was kind of like a little taken back. It, it, it felt less miraculous. It felt mm. less um, special, less magical, less like uh, God's incredible. Uh, there was a part of me that felt that way. And I, I kind of want you to to lean into that because in in some regards, it is less of a big versus small. Uh, but here's, what I would encourage you in and here's what kind of like the Lord kind of spoke to me through the processing of this is that while it feels less magical, it also kind of gave me the assurance that it's God's using what he gave David to bring about something powerful in the same way that God's going to do some miraculous things in our lives through our ministries, through all that we're going to do, but he's going to use things that he's going to use to bring about those things. And so it's not that it's not that it's less miraculous. It's that it's, it's more in line with who God's made us to be. And so I kind of want to just set that tone here that we're not saying that it was any less God. It was just as much God. It just it, it the perspective shifts a little bit into how God moved throughout the story. Yeah. So we're gonna start. Uh, the The story kind of begins in First Samuel chapter sixteen. While you're reading this, or while you're listening to this, if you fo- want to follow along with us, you can. Um, Saul or First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen is on page two hundred and thirty-five of my Bible. Uh, that's not going to help any of our listeners, but uh, just wanted to give you some context. Uh, it could be close to to where it is in your Bible. Who knows? But uh, chapter sixteen is where uh, the prophet Samuel is is coming, and and he uh, he anoints David as king. And I don't know that there's necessarily a ton in this section that, uh, you know, inherently culture has, or, or, or church culture or different sermons have, uh, you know, changed necessarily. But I, I want to highlight, so David, obviously, for those of you that are familiar with the story, David uh, was very, uh, like, he was the youngest brother of, yep. of many brothers. Uh, he was the shepherd of the flock. And and that's the important thing. You know, I don't think that we've gotten that wrong, but I don't think that we have fully dove into exactly what that means. And so, uh, Saul, or uh, sorry, David was... Uh, 
with the sheep all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And so probably got really good at talking to himself. And they, uh, when you are a shepherd in charge of watching over your sheep, you need to make sure that your sheep stay safe. And if you've got many, many sheep, it is very difficult for you to be all around them at all times. Mm -hmm. And so when you have predators that are approaching your sheep, you need to deter them without being right next to your sheep. A really good way to do that is slingshots. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being able to sling a stone a great distance. Uh, the thing about David, uh, the thing about any shepherd uh, is, and then I joked that he was good at talking to himself, like he was probably alone a lot mm -hmm. or maybe with one or two other shepherds. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot to do when you're just watching sheep eat. No, and I think it's also important to kind of paint the context of the landscape here. Because if you are, are born and point. raised in the United States, when you think of sheep and being a shepherd, you have a farmstead, you have a property with a fence, and yeah, you might move them from plot to plot, but we're in Israel. There are no fences. There are no necessarily defined plots of this is my farm. Like if you're a shepherd, you're literally leading your sheep through desert and through unassigned land to get them food, water, and everything else that they need. And so you're traveling over a lot of distance. And as someone who has very limited exposure, but enough to know, like sheep wander. You know, and so like when you're trying to keep them all corralled together, it's one thing to do it on your own property, on your farmstead. When you're in an open desert, it's really a whole nother challenge because if they get away for too long, they're dead. They're literally dead. So I think it's also important to you, for you to kind of understand that being a shepherd while it was overlooked, it was not an easy job by mm -hmm. any means. Yeah. Um, and so David, David, with, with all this time on his hands, uh, there's not a whole lot to do. And so David did a couple things with his time that, that we have evidence of. The first being he got really good at a slingshot. Mm -hmm. um, culturally, and, and we have other sources outside the Bible that, that will point to this, culturally, shepherds in this time period would probably be accurate uh, within a few inches with a slingshot up to... 100 yards. <laughs> so we're talking about somebody being able to sling a stone uh, at your head and hit it in some degree the length of a football field. Yep. Uh, the other thing that we see in David's life, like David was not just excellent at this. You see later on in chapter 16, David is uh, brought into the house of Saul and David as a harp player is incredibly proficient. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if David, I, I like to picture David chilling on the side of a hill, just playing a harp for all of his sheep uh -huh. and they're, you know, being serenaded kind of like a <laughs> Peter Piper situation going on. But uh, I, I have an image. We talked about Emperor's new groove a little bit. I've, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have this idea of just like him sitting down and all these sheep dancing and the whole thing. So, oh boy, thanks for that image. I needed that today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it Peter Piper that I'm thinking of, or who's who's the folklore guy yeah, that plays right. the flute for mice? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
But anyways, um, apparently Peter Piper Pizza is a <laughs> well-advertised establishment in Google searches. Great friend of the show. Great friend of the show, man. Peter Piper Pizza. Uh, I should have looked at where they're located, see if we can maybe get a slice. Uh, thanks, Derek, while I continue. So so that's, uh, I mean, the, the essence of Chapter 16 and, and the importance of the background of Chapter 16 is the fact that David was incredibly good at what he did. And, and what he did, were the, there were a couple different skills he acquired that, that he was incredibly good at. You got a location for us? I'm working on it. I okay. also think that there's a chance that Chuck E. Cheese bought them out. Oh, interesting. I'm, 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 I'm keep going. I'm, I'm going to look this up. <laughs> so as we get into chapter 17, uh, oh, the last thing I'll say about chapter 16, uh, when we think about David, oftentimes both Derek and I mentioned it, I believe, uh, David is often portrayed in our minds as a child uh, with good reason. He is, you know, the youngest of, of all of them and, uh, you know, he's the, he's, he's the youngest one. He's just a child. Uh, we, David was a, the better translation is that he was a young man in training, not necessarily a child culturally, the Jewish culture view, like they, there are instances where they describe childhood, uh, as somebody who is, I mean, in their uh, like thirties. And so, if that's our view of childhood, we can't just call David a child and right. go from there. Right. Um, I also, and you might be getting to this too, but I think we also kind of see him as this timid personality in the sense of he's just a small wee little boy, but he's passionate about God. Like he is passionate about God. That was the sole reason that he stood up to Goliath. Like how dare you defy my God? But when asked about it, he also talks about when his sheep were in danger. Yes, he deterred them. I'm trying to find the exact reference here. Um, it, it's First Samuel chapter 17 now, um, verses 34 and 35. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, which we've talked about. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. So now we have your little slingshot didn't work. Now your predator physically has your sheep right. in his mouth. And keep in mind, sheep were not just animals back then. Sheep were your income. So this is not just like a, well, there goes my dog. That's a bummer. We're talking about like, there goes my mortgage. There goes my house. There goes my vehicle. I got to go get that. And he goes, he says this in verse 35, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. So he didn't say what he struck it with, but if we extrapolate this out, okay, maybe he did hit it with a slingshot. But when he got up close to rescue his sheep, the animal, the predator turned on him and what did he do? He WWE'd the guy. I mean, he literally was like, I, I seized it by the hair and struck it. So while David might have been the younger brother, he 
was, as Kyle alluded to, he was kind of a young adult at minimum, but he also was courageous. He also must have been strong enough to be able to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm five foot eight, 140 pounds. Even if the thing is concussed, I'm not taking a black bear to the ground. I'm not taking a mountain lion to the ground. Like this, this is a strong dude. This is someone who is bold. This is someone who is courageous. This is someone who's not afraid of imminent danger. Like David might've been small, but he was not timid. He was not tepid. He was like, he was strong and powerful. And so I think that's so important to keep in mind as well uh, as we go through this, because I don't care who you are. If you're wrestling a bear to the ground, you've got some gumption inside of you and some boldness. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into, uh, did we get... Uh, I, w- I don't want to move on too far from Peter Piper Pizza before we can get a location here. Your wife listening to this is like, oh my gosh, she's, she's ticked off. I, well, I can't, I can't, literally can't find one close, which tells me everything I need to know. I, I type in our location and no locations come up. So I'm, I'm thinking Peter, yeah. Piper, P- Peter Piper Pizza might be a thing of the past. Yeah, the uh, conglomerate Chuck E. Cheese coming in to swoop them. That's uh, really unfortunate. Um, hold on. Wait a second. I think I've got one. Uh, Lunch today? Peter Piper Pizza. I think that there is one. Yeah, we've got locations down in Texas and New Mexico. Come on. Road trip. Come on, baby. So uh, we might have to... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I found one in Kansas City. I'll have to watch the Chiefs. Let's go. Catch some Peter Piper pizza. and Now, to be fair, that's Peter Piper Pizzeria. Oh. All the rest of them are true Peter Piper pizza. Okay. Uh, also, I want to just say something real quick. For our listeners who listened to episode 100, I want to uh, just... I'm going to make a note of the irony that after episode 100, I'm talking to Derek about the biblical character David. And and we're just gonna leave leave that joke there. And uh, for those of you that ah. uh, were in episode 100, you'll uh, you'll recognize it. But anyways, uh, I want to talk about uh, as we get into chapter 17 of First Samuel, we actually get into the David versus Goliath battle. Uh, I want to set the stage a little bit here. And the first thing I want to talk about is the battle style that we see in. First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen. It's this concept of representative battles, and and this was rather common uh, in the area at this time period. This was not something specific to either the Israelites or the Philistines. This was something very common in the, at the time. Uh, it was a champion versus champion style of war. Yep. Because if you look at now, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how many Israelites there were at this time, uh, but hypothetically, let you know, we'll say there's a few million, maybe. Um, if there's a if there's three million Israelites at this time and three million Philistines, if they go to war to with with each other, you could I mean, you're talking about wiping out, you know, ten percent of yeah. your entire civilization yeah. in a in a brutal war. And that's that's a problem even for the winners, right? Uh, as far as sustainability of life, and so they would. 
uh, do champion versus champion war where my best and your best battle each other one-on-one and the champion wins the battle for the entire nation. Uh, not a bad way to fight it. Honestly, no. they, they might've been, <laughs> they might've been onto something. You know, we, we both are in view of each other. We send our champions down to the Valley. They battle it out. And then the winners take the losers as slaves. Um, now, as you can imagine, the, there's a Valley in between the winners and the losers, mm-hmm. no matter how the battle ends up. Mm-hmm. And so it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that traditionally, no matter the nation, the losers tended to turn and run because <laughs> slavery didn't sound very good. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there was that issue, uh, but in turning and running, they would oftentimes cede much ground yep. to the victors. And death, because then if they started to run... They started to pursue and then... Right, you're easier yeah. to kill when your back is to your enemy. So uh, this this style of battle that we see in this story is that kind of representative style of war where you know the Philistines trot out Goliath, the Israelites trot out their champion, uh, and then we get a victor from there. Yeah, I also want to look at Goliath a little bit too. Because, again, you hear of various heights yep. um, of how tall he was. Basically, uh, they when I was in Israel, they talked about he probably was somewhere between 6 feet to 7 feet, maybe 8 feet, which is a lot lower than I've heard and studied on my own personal thing. And I, I wondered why. Because uh, not that it matters a ton, like – but it does, and it, it, it into how this story looks to you. Because again, if, if you see a ten footer, you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that is a giant. But a six foot seven footer, we watch those on TV every single day. You know, like it's still like, man, you're tall, but it's not mm-hmm. like staggering how tall you are. And not so again, not that it fully matters to the story, but how do you get varying heights? Uh, it's it's this this word in here in verse four cubits. His height was six cubits. A cubit was the length from your elbow to, I think, you the tip of your middle finger. I, I think, believe so, what yes. It is. And so you might imagine that distance on my arm is different than someone that is six feet tall. Like naturally, your arms are going to be longer, your wingspan's longer. And so while cubits kind of surprisingly even had a little bit more of a mathematical tenure to them at the end of the day six cubits was a very relative measurement it was not nearly as exact as inches or meters whichever way you want to go uh it was not nearly as exact and so while he could have been exceptionally tall there's also a legitimate chance that six cubits in a span really could have meant seven foot one you know or something of that nature yeah the uh a lot of you know folklore, the 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 fun number to throw out that you typically will see as far as Goliath's height is going to be nine foot nine inches. Right, uh, six foot nine inches is kind of the common. Like Derek meant, you I think you mentioned you know six to seven feet. Like six yep. foot nine is typically the number that is thrown out as like yeah, that's probably how tall Goliath actually was, which taller than any Israelite, right? Taller, like like people were a little bit shorter back then. Like yep. it, it's still and imposing. Yep, it totally. is still imposing. Certainly, but I love that you bring up Goliath's height because I would like to. Before we dive into this story, I want to talk about Saul for a second because 
uh, there are we're we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna demonstrate something for our listeners here. Uh, there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible, hmm. and what we're about to do is study the Bible. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to go back to First Samuel chapter nine because this is the first time that we meet Saul. In the Bible, it Who's says the king of Israel. For those that don't remember, right? So in, yeah, in in our story, we're talking about today. He is the the king of Israel. But when we first meet Saul, uh, this is right after you know Samuel is kind of the the prophet of the day on speaking on behalf of God. All the people are like, we want a king like all the other nations around us. Samuel is like, you guys are best off if God is your king, and they are like. No, we want a physical human king. Mm-hmm. And Samuel's like, you guys are idiots, but whatever. Uh, and, and so uh, in verse one of, of chapter nine, it says that there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zerar, the son of, uh, sorry, that one is hyphenated because it skips columns on me, uh, Bekrath, the son of Aphi, the Benj- of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Aha. And so by reading into Saul, you can gather that while Goliath was probably about six foot nine, Saul was probably about six foot five. And so, you know, of equal standing with Goliath, no. On the same in the same stratosphere, pun intended for height. Yeah. Uh, yes. And so Saul physically pretty equal to Goliath. Now here's where it gets fun. Uh, did you catch Derek when I read that? What tribe that uh, Saul was from? Oh gosh, no. Sorry, <laughs> I threw that on you. Uh, it did technically. I, I, I saw Kish. Technically, uh, Kish was. The uh, was his father's name. Okay, Kish was uh, Saul's father. Uh, but oh, Benjamin. Yes, the tribe of Benjamin. Now it explicitly says that Kish was of the tribe of Benjamin, not yep. Saul. But Kish is his dad. Do the math. Yep. Uh, and so Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. So we're gonna back up to Judges chapter twenty when it starts talking about the Benjamin tribe, the Benjaminites, the Benjamin. Benjamin Benjamites. Benjamites. I don't know. Uh, Benjamites. Sounds right. I'm looking at it in verse 13 of chapter 20, and it does literally say Benjamites. So that must be right. Uh, So it's talking about the army of the tribe of Benjamin. Mm -hmm. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 chosen men who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. <laughs> Saul was handpicked by God to fight Goliath. Wow. And he chickened out. Yep. Saul was physically on par with Goliath. Yep. Saul was equipped in the same measure that David was to beat Goliath. Yep. And Saul chickened out. Yep. And so th- I think that that is a very important piece of information to the story that. God called Saul and commissioned him as king of the Israelites for this moment. And Saul said no. And God said, fine, I'll find somebody who is willing. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredibly ironic. That information brings so much irony 
into the story when we start looking at uh, how Saul interacts with David when David gets to the battlefield. Right. Because he, he one, he tries to talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like David, David is upset. He's like, no one's going to defy my God, which we've talked about already. So, but Saul almost tries to like discredit him and take him out of the fight too. Right. But here's what I love as you kind of bring that up too. Did you notice what he tries to give David? Like it's, it's not a real. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's he, where I was going with he that. He tries to give him his armor. Yep. You know, and he drowns in it. Why? Because Saul's huge. Yes. If He's for, big. While we're talking about height, uh, and, and without getting too far into it, David probably somewhere between five foot and five foot five. So that's, that's Amen, a, brother. A, at least a full foot difference yeah. between David and Goliath. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to put on the clothes of somebody a foot taller or shorter than you. It doesn't work very well. No, no. And, and I am, I'm almost kind of trying to sense a little bit of remorse, you know, as Saul kind of gives David his armor, you know, I, I always kind of interpret that as he wants him to stay alive and win this fight because there is better interest in that. I'm, I'm almost gathering there is a level of remorse when he says like, take my armor because that was always meant to be him. And whether he knew that or not is, is interesting. Uh, but I want to go back to David for a second. If you're cool with this, one thing we have yeah. not talked about yet is the rock, you mm-hmm. know, cause this was the thing that, that really kind of blew my mind when you walk the land of Israel. Oh, I'm so glad you have this. I have the rock. Yes. Not the rock. But let's be very clear. When, when you walk, Can you imagine that would, <laughs> what would that go for on eBay? That's a, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you authenticate that, but like, Hey, I have the rock that David killed Goliath. Yeah. with. That would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, but so when you walk through Israel and, and our, our audience is going to have to look at this, Tucker, hopefully you can help us out here. Great model, by the way, Kyle. Thank you. I'm, I'm pulling out my best Vana White impression. Well done. We're, we're not talking about little stream pebbles. We're not talking about little dime-sized rocks that you find on the side of the road. When he would sling stones, he's slinging stones. Like We're talking like that's a little bit smaller than a baseball. I was going to say maybe like a racquetball size. Yeah. Of of just stone, right? So we're talking if you can sling that a hundred yards, there's probably some some steam behind that sucker. I mean Absolutely. I'm 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 not trying not to daydream too far down this rabbit trail, but if I chuck this at your head right now, it's probably gonna hurt. Uh, <laughs> I will be concussed <laughs> at the very least. And so yeah, there's there's some serious mass here and and when you get it going at the velocity that it would take to sling it 100 yards. Now, was Goliath 100 yards away from David? Probably not. But he's probably closer. But yeah, yeah, closer. And so like I'm slinging this at you from 20 yards even. Yep. This is this is a serious uh mass headed for your skull. Uh it's going to do some Pretty good damage. And let's talk about the sling for a second because we think of slingshot as the letter Y with mm-hmm. two rubber bands. Oh, yeah. That's not what they had. No. Okay? They had like a long piece of fabric. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is they would swing it almost like a cowboy's rope, 
but it was long. And so just physics tells you the longer that piece is, the more velocity you're getting behind this thing. So you have this long piece of fabric holding that, a racquetball-sized stone that is getting ready to get slung out, and it is coming out of there like a shot. Like I'm thinking of like a bow and arrow. I mean, a bow and arrow is just pulleys and elastic material, but it can Mm -hmm. send something out there at a very high rate of speed. Same thing happened there. So... And then I want to contrast this with what's what's Goliath's strength? It's his size. Mm-hmm. He can wield a really heavy sword and swing it and slice you in half really fast. But he's large. He's slow. It's going to take him a while to get there. So <laughs> I mean, we're Minnesota fans. Have you guys tried to see Rudy Gobert guard Steph Curry? Right. It doesn't end well. No. He's big, but he ain't very nimble. And so here you have you have David, who is incredibly accurate can sling that really hard and doesn't have to get close enough to where he can operate in Goliath's strength. And here's the coolest part about the whole story is that like God had been preparing David for this moment. Mm -hmm. Like he had had this experience as he's shepherding his sheep, as he's doing this while God used him in that moment, this was not some supernatural imparting of supernatural strength. Like, this is not Mario swallowing a mushroom and all of a sudden now he can do incredible things. This is this is God using what he had been using him for up until this point. Mm-hmm. And he has decided to use it powerfully for his his nature in there. So the last piece of the puzzle, which you kind of teased at earlier in the episode, is the end of it. Like, we believe, I believe, that, yep, that would hurt really bad. Enough to probably concuss you and probably knock you out. But scripture tells us when he struck a lion or a bear, it didn't kill him. He had to go up and then strike him again to actually kill the predator the same way Goliath probably was. Because when you look at 1 Samuel 17, what does he end up doing? He walks over there and decapitates that. With his own sword. Sword. Like he takes Goliath's sword and decapitates Goliath with it. And so... You know, I you can't necessarily prove this, but uh, actually, it's possible. Uh, yeah, I I love the uh, <laughs> he cut off his head. Sorry, that's just uh, I I love there's, that imagery. There's a um, reason we don't talk about that story, which is probably how the story changed. Because, there's there's like, some kids ministry stuff that that maybe is uh, not suitable censored. for the kid. Yeah. yeah. But again, like it, it kind of proves the fact that like it's the what I mean, because even like, yes, verse 50 of chapter 17 says, you know, without a sword, like slinging this with a So it's basically uh, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now, it yes, it, verse 50 is essentially a summary of verses 1 to 49. Right. So David did this. Verse 49 says that he took the, so he, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. That's not necessarily speaking of death. Verse 51, then David ran over, took his sword uh, and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Uh, what's most likely happening there is that 
David knocked Goliath unconscious with this freaking rock. Yep. Uh, it's possible that he killed him with the rock, but most likely he unconscious it knocked him unconscious, took his sword, cut off his head. Yep. And so uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what I would say is the best summary of all of this is that David brought a gun to a knife fight. That that's the best way to summarize the, the actual true story of David versus Goliath is yeah. that David brought a gun to a knife fight. Uh, and, and, he, and you you heard that right. He brought a gun to it, right. not the other way around. You know, because you right. hear that all the time. He brought a knife to a gunfight. Like no, no, he brought a gun to a knife fight. Right, and and that reading of this story is what paints the picture of David was favored in this matchup. Yeah. And, and that's where all of our good friends at ESPN maybe get that wrong uh -huh. is, you know, David was not the underdog. He was undersized. He was not the underdog. Yeah. He brought the necessary equipment and the necessary skills in order to win that fight. And so as we wrap up this episode, I think my challenge to our listeners, aside from study the Bible, don't just read it, is that we as... Uh, Christians, like we are, be excellent yeah. in your field. God yeah. has given you skills, hone them, uh, be excellent at your craft, whatever it is that you do, be really good at it because I don't think there's going to come a time where you have to, you know, win and <laughs> uh -huh. win against Goliath to save the lives of your nation, but there's going to be opportunities for you to uh, glorify God with the excellence that you have achieved in whatever it is that you are doing. So put in the time and the practice before the lights are on. And be who he's called you to be. Like I love yeah, don't we, wear Saul's armor. Right, exactly. Like he did what he had been prepared for. Like God has put you in seasons of your life intentionally. And so like do who be who he's called you yeah. to be and let his power work through that. You yeah, know? that's good. Like it just, I, 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 that to me is like the story for youth ministry is because like so many students are trying to be somebody else so that they can see somebody else's results and fruit and favor. But like God's called you to be who he's called you to be. So be that. Yeah, that's where the victory in battle is going to come totally. in the authenticity. Yeah. All right. That, that was does, fun. That was awesome. I love it. That does it for today's episode. Uh, on behalf of Derek, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. I think it's about time that I go see what I can sell this rock for on eBay. Goodbye. Goodbye.